Welcome to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network, presented by Extreme Threads. Your home for the latest news from the National Lacrosse League and Indoor Lacrosse. Now, let's talk some lacrosse with your hosts, Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer. All right, lacrosse fans, you heard the man. Happy New Year, lacrosse fans. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network, we grow the game one podcast at a time. Thanks for joining us once again for Extreme Threads Lax Class. It's Jake Kelly, the Seven Sheminara, back with you after a big week three in the National Lacrosse League. And a week three that featured five games, three of them at the same time, four of them on Friday, just the one Saturday game. As we'll get right into it here, Evan, um... Let's just get right into it, I suppose, here. Our picks, right off the top, you went 4-1, and one, I went 2-3. and three. My strategy of trying to get a bigger lead than I already had on you a week ago completely backfired, and uh, I struggled a little bit. So let's, uh, let's get into these games here a little bit. Uh, let's start with Saskatchewan and New England, and this game taking place at the Mohegan Sun Casino, a long trip across uh, the continent, if you will, for Saskatchewan. And some players recently signed as they get Church and Messenger under contract and a little bit of rust on those guys. And really, Saskatchewan just slow out of the gates and tried to battle back a couple of times, but just could never really seize momentum in that game as New England, got to give them some credit, showed a lot of resiliency in winning that one 12-11. Yeah, Saskatchewan was just totally out of sync. There's way too many lost offensive opportunities that, you know, a possession where there was really nothing happening. Uh, even in the first half, the defense, the the slides to the open man were just not happening. New England was finding the open man. But, yeah, full credit to New England. I mean, they kept the game chaotic. They didn't allow Saskatchewan to settle. And to be frankly honest, had it not been for the fact that New England took penalty after penalty and kept letting Saskatchewan back into the game, they could have blown Saskatchewan out of the water. Yeah, I found that really surprising to to kind of see New England kind of have their way with Saskatchewan. And I know it was the Rush's first game and, and a couple of new players that hadn't been through training camp, but I don't know. I, like, what do you think? Do you think it's a case of you know maybe some missing pieces on that back end? You got a new defensive coach there beside Derek Keenan as well, or do you think maybe uh, the defending champs just needed a game to shake off the rust a little bit, and they'll be better uh, when they get back home coming up this Saturday? When you look at the first half, they were you know they were missing those miss assignments, and that was really the problem. The second half, you really didn't see that that much, so I'm not too worried about all these new pieces on the back end it seemed to slowly work itself out. It was really up in the front where, you know, possession after possession, they're not setting anything up till there's six, seven seconds left on the shot clock. And by that time, it was just too late. And, you know, when they had it organized in spurts, it worked. But other than that, it was chaotic. It'll come, uh, you know, don't read too much in this game, I don't think. 
Saskatchewan should be back with authority, I think, this coming week. Yeah, it was uh, it was a case, you know, I saw Mark Matthews dropping balls that he normally catches in his sleep with his eyes closed. He just kind of seemed a little bit out of sorts, and uh, I'm sure we'll see a better performance come January 5th as uh, the banners will be raised to the rafters at Sastel. We should probably mention who our guests are this week. Uh, speaking of the New England Black Holes and Saskatchewan Rush, we feature... A personnel from both of those teams, I suppose you could say. Callum Crawford, the the man they call Showtime, will join us on the program. And coming up a little bit later, the owner of the Saskatchewan Rush, Mr. Bruce Urban, will join us here on the podcast as well. So we'll look forward to that. But some more games to look at before we get to that, Evan. And the next one might have been the game of the week. And what a game it was. From Toronto, the Georgia Swarm topping the Toronto Rock as they open up their home schedule, does Toronto. Unfortunately, they they lose that one in overtime. Fortunate for you, I suppose, as you had Georgia, I had Toronto in that one. But man, oh man, DeHassanunde, Lyle Thompson, what a performance from him as he was just all over the floor and doing Lyle Thompson things. Yeah, in that game there, if you had never seen a lacrosse game before, that was the first one you went and saw, you'd be hooked in a second. I mean, end-to-end, it was a track meet out there, and good on both goaltenders. They made massive save after massive save to keep both the teams in it. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to one little factor, and, you know, while Thompson eventually is just going to burn you somehow, and, you know, he missed on the penalty shot, hit the crossbar, couple of seconds later, rifles at short side, game over. Uh, you know, Rob Hellier, what a game from him. He was 5-5, five and five, I believe. 10 out of the 11 goals went through him. And, uh, you know, I don't think either team can be disappointed with their performance. It's just going to come down to some little factor, and the little factor was one of the best players in the game stepping up. Yeah, sometimes... Sometimes just, you know, a guy can just take over a game. And Lyle Thompson really had that look in his eye that he was not going to allow his Georgia Swarm to lose that game. And you talk about Robbie Hellier, and and for a guy that was putting up 100 points before he went down with that knee injury, sometimes it takes guys close to a full year. And not just, like, I'm talking about the year of recovery and then another full year of playing lacrosse before you get back to complete 100 health. And by health, I mean not only physically, but mentally as well. And when you watch Robbie Hellier play, so much of his game is quick cuts and jukes and darting underneath. And sometimes after you come off an injury like that, you're like, man, do I want to do I? You don't go all out and it finally looks like Hellier is is completely back to health and and when he is going right he is one of the best in the game yeah and you know Toronto interestingly finding a lot of space uh, up top and scoring from distance they have very little luck down low but yeah a total transition game total tra- you know track like I said before track meet and and there was times where literally you'd have one transition opportunity down there other goaltender gets the ball, fires at three-quarters of the length of the field. You're going back down the other net. It was something else to watch. That moves us along to Banditland, and the Buffalo Bandits entertained the Vancouver Warriors. And I don't know if we need to spend a whole lot of time on this game, Evan. It was 
really Buffalo from the get-go, and I I honestly think the scoreline may be a little flattering to Vancouver, a 16-10 final for the Bandits, but a game that re- they really controlled from start to finish. Yeah, um, I mean, the first quarter was uh, relatively close. Then Buffalo just took over. And here's the kind of the sad thing. You know, a week ago we talked about the fact that early on against Toronto, Buffalo got in deep. Toronto had to cut that off. That's how they got rid of the the issue. Vancouver had Buffalo contained for the most part down low very well, but you know they did. You know the thing they allowed was they allowed Buffalo to fire from twenty twenty five feet, and Aaron Bold was just not seeing the ball. You know everything going in low, everything going in short side. You know it, you got to with a defense that is not the greatest defense in front of you. You. As a goaltender, you've got to give your team the chance to win by making those stops, and Bold just didn't have it. Yeah, and we, we've seen that with Boldy before. He's had some off games, and when he's off, he's really off. And, and when he's on, he's really on, and he'll give his team a chance to win, and that just wasn't the case. Uh it was good to see Eric Penny get some time, and I thought he was okay in his minutes, but uh, Josh Burns, Shawnee Evans having big nights for the Bandits as they bounce back after that loss to Toronto, as we will make our way to the fourth game of the evening. It was finally nice to have a game that was staggered a little bit and get to kind of focus your complete attention on one game. As uh, I had, like, the Matrix going earlier. I had, like, two computer screens, my phone, my TV. I was bouncing all over the place uh, trying to kind of keep an eye on all three games uh, at once. But then... San Diego goes into Calgary, and they were, of course, coming off that big win against the Mammoth to open up their season. Calgary was coming off a pretty convincing win over Vancouver. Uh, This was a pretty intriguing game to me to watch, um, and it was a really kind of a a different-looking National Lacrosse League game than we have seen in years past, Devin. I don't normally see too many of these games. A 9-5 final. What were they? They were tied 4-4 at the half as... Good buddies and Christian Del... going into the fourth. Yeah, so <laughs> there you go. So Christian Del Bianco and, and Frankie Chiliano, obviously very good friends, and uh, they've been having conversations throughout the week via text and kind of sending barbs and jabs back and forth and who was going to come out on top. And those both those guys just came out and played out of their minds. I don't think it was really a case where the offense was struggling. It was just the goaltenders were ex- excelling so much. Yeah, actually, they had a bet going on. I think the the loser had to buy dinner, and they didn't look like either one wanted to buy dinner too badly. You think about it here, Skidiano went 49 for 58. What was it? It was .845 and lost, <laughs> and lost badly. Uh, you know, Christian Del Bianco was over 900 on his save percentage in this game. Just absolutely insane. That's unheard you of. You think about it, you know, we talked to the last – a couple weeks ago about how Del Bianco wasn't seeing the ball. Matt Vince wasn't seeing the ball. Forget that now. They're, they're both tuned in. Uh, and you know, you look at it, Reese Dutch had a hat trick. I mean, how many Vancouver fans are still biting their tongue that he's no longer there at this stage? Yeah, I, I mean... <laughs> I, I get it. Like, we'll go back. And, and I get that Vancouver wanted to change directions and, and move away from Reese Dutch. And honestly, I'm okay with it. Like, I, I'm okay with that decision. And and I think Dutchy was okay with it as well. I I don't think he really felt any kind of connection to, to the new Warriors brand. And he was kind of ready for a change of scenery as well. Just my issue, again, going back to it, is that 
you got nothing for him, and you lost Casey Jackson in the process. So uh, kind of double daggers there for Vancouver and their fan base. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Dutchie in a 9-5 game led the way there for the Roughnecks. They're still without King. They're still without Dixon. They're still without Berg. I didn't see Tyson Bell in that game as well. So for their best players out of the lineup, they managed to squeak out a 9-5 victory over San Diego to go to 2-1. and one. The Seals now 1-1, one and one, and they will head for Saskatchewan uh, this Saturday. So it doesn't get any easier for San Diego coming up as they'll have to wait another week before they get their home opener. One final game that took place on Saturday, and it took place from the Blue Cross Arena. Great crowd on hand in Rochester to kick off their season at home, their first game of the season, in fact. And the Rochester Nighthawks in maybe the nicest uniforms I've seen so far this year, Evan Sheminara, man, were those things pretty. And they played a pretty nice game as well as they take down the Philadelphia Wings, or the Wingers, as my man Booker likes to call them. 13-9, the final for the Kayhawks in that one. Yeah, and once again, another scoreline that's a little more flattering to the to the loser than it should be. I mean, uh, Rochester came out in that first quarter, dumped five on the wings. Uh, it was it was a bloodbath quickly, and I mean, the the Rochester let up a bit in the second half, and it opened the door for Philly. But you know, we like I said last week. Once Philly faces a good defense, they thought they were going to be in trouble. That was clearly the case. They just couldn't get anything going that opening quarter. And, you know, good on Angus Goodleaf. You know, he put on a hell of a performance in Nets and, you know, proved to everybody he's worthy of a number one spot. Yeah, and I'll say this about Philadelphia. Really, in their two losses, it's been the opening quarter that has cost them both their losses. Like, they just have not started the game on time. And you can't do that in the National Cross League. It takes 60 minutes to win. I know it's cliche, but it's really true. And if you don't play a full 60 in the league, any team is capable of beating anybody. And Philadelphia has just been slow out of the gates in both their losses. And it's so hard to come back from a big deficit in this league, and, and especially for an expansion team. You're right. I thought uh, English Goodleaf was exceptional, and it was good to see uh, old Gussie kind of get get his chance here finally. I think he was 4-1 and one coming in as a starter. And you think about how many years he's been around the Nighthawks, and that's how many starts he's had total in his entire career, just five starts. Uh, make it 5-1 and one now for Goodleaf. Uh, I'll tell you one guy who was not letting up in that game, Evan Sheminara, and I think you know where I'm going with this, <laughs> is one Cody Jammer Jameson. My goodness. Uh, first off, let me give a quick shout-out and some props to my man, Cheddar B, Chet Kinesny, who literally stood in there, did not even flinch. And that is just boss, as far as I'm concerned, because Cody Jameson came down with an empty net, Chet Kinesny, if you haven't seen the video, make sure you go find this. Jameson comes down the middle of the floor. The goalie is trying to scramble back into the goal. So Kinesny steps in between the pipes, takes the goalie stance. And normally you would see a guy, you know, kind of pick his spot, bounce it low, go five hole, up the pipe, down low, whatever. Not Cody Jameson, ladies and gentlemen. He wound up with pretty much everything that he had 
and picked the top corner <laughs> with some intention there, I would say. And, and like, he was definitely trying to score. Like, he wasn't trying to hit Chet or anything. But I don't know where you come out on this. I saw Teddy Jenner put out a tweet saying, like, no regard for human life. And Cody did not take very kindly to that tweet and kind of called Teddy out a little bit. And I was kind of like, ooh, you know, like, I'm glad I didn't say anything about it because I was kind of feeling the same way, like, I can't quite recall what the score was or how much time was left at that point, Evan, but, I mean, that's, that's. I mean, I guess, like, Chet didn't have a problem with it. Like, he didn't say anything about it. Nobody kind of went and took a swipe at Cody for doing it, so everybody kind of seemed okay with it. But for me, like, I just, I kind of looked at it and went, Is, was that really necessary? But I, I don't know. How do you come out on it? I actually don't mind it as much as most people do. And the thing, it was actually, they were up three. There was about two and a half minutes to go, something in that nature. But, you know, if Jameson lobs that thing, you're actually more likely to miss lobbing it than he is just firing it like he did. And well, if you- he misses that, he's going to get an earful when he gets back to the bench. So like, what are you doing, sure, you know, sure. this, right? I, my, my, so- my point of contention, though, Evan, is that it wasn't a lob. It was a rocket. And I just I, and it, and it was a high rocket. You know what I'm saying? So like, if you're going to rear back and crank, you got more room down low in the bottom part of the net. I don't think you really need to blast it 90 miles an hour to put that ball in. But as we know, Cody Jamison is really the ultimate uh-huh. competitor, and he was not letting his foot off the pedal, and he was picking his spot. But I mean, I guess that's my kind of contention is that he went high with it and he went as hard as he could, and I just don't know if that was necessary. No, but, uh, but I mean, by the same token, when I see D-Man in this situation trying to play goalie, it's about the worst thing you could do. You're better off just trying to push the guy and see if he, you can force a miss out of him just because he's under pressure. Um, but totally. you're going to stand in the net. You're going to stand in the net while – that's going to happen. Yeah, and like I said, Chet had no issue with it, and if anyone was going to go take a poke at Cody, it was probably going to be Chet after that, and he, like I said, he didn't even flinch. But you've seen guys do this a hundred times over, and it's like they want to be the hero, and it's like, okay, here's my big chance to play goal. I want to make a stop and get on the highlights. Uh, Cody Jamison was not going to let that out. Well, he got on the highlights, all right, but not for <laughs> For the right reasons. Um, so that wrapped up week three action again. You go four and one. I go two and three as I got the Toronto game wrong. I got the San Diego game wrong. And I got the Saskatchewan game wrong. Uh, so now our standings are uh, lay, lay it out for me. You're, you're seven. And, I don't want to hear about last week. Just tell us what the records are right now. I'm a seven and four. You're six and five. Okay, so we both have winning <laughs> records. That's all we need to know. I'm just a single game back after three weeks of competition, and I am okay with that. Uh, so that recaps week three. We'll look ahead to week four, but before we do that, we got my man Showtime. I heard one NLL uh, contributor call him a role player for the majority of his career. I think Callum might take exception to that. As, uh, yeah. you, don't, you don't get a nickname like Showtime <laughs> being a role player. But uh, we'll talk to my man Showtime on the other side. you got a lock right here on Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Pure Vita Labs is proud to bring you the highest quality sports supplements on the market. 
PVL products are 100% all-natural with no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. And the entire line is also Informed Choice certified. We designed all our products with the athlete in mind. We look forward to being a part of your athletic achievements, helping you push the bar higher, win at the highest levels, and set personal records for years to come. This is John Tavares, and you're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Star Podcast Network. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Classified Podcast here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Growing the game one podcast at a time. Big thanks to our friends. Well, let's use Pure Vital Labs. Why wouldn't we? As we're now joined by Pure Vital Labs sponsored athlete and also a member of the New England Black Wolves. The man they call Showtime and a good friend of mine, Callum Crawford, now on the podcast. Cal, good to talk to you as always. Yeah, it's about time. I uh, was excited to hear from you. So it has Happy been a while. Uh, going on and, and doing these awesome podcasts. It's fun. Yeah, I guess uh, I don't know when we last time we had a formal chat. It might have been Showtime at the Downtowner, uh, if you can believe that or not. Uh, that's that's quite a while, and I guess the roles were reversed back then. Um, just to let the fans know, we are kind of going with a, a bit of a makeshift. We're MacGyvering this conversation, if you will. If uh, Callum's had some phone issues, so we're talking over Facebook right now. Well, he is. I'm on my phone. You're on Facebook. Uh, what happened to your phone? Let's start there. I don't know. I'm trying to get to the bottom of it, but uh, I came back into the dressing room on Thursday night. And found my phone smashed in the stall, so I've been uh, I've been without it since Thursday. And let me tell you, it is wonderful and difficult all at the same time. Yeah, it's almost like going without electricity or or heat or something like that. You don't really realize how much you depend on your phone until you don't have it. But I think where you were kind of alluding to, it's also kind of nice not to have it because you don't have people uh, trying to bug you all the time. Yeah, it's just freedom. If you kind of pay attention uh, to everybody else when you don't have one, uh, you notice how we're all consumed by our devices. It's ba- I felt like my parents, to be honest, looking at me sitting at their house just facing my phone, and they just look at you and wonder, what can you be doing? <laughs> it's so important that you can't get away from it. So. It's, a, it's a new world, man. It's a new world. Um, th- that must have been pretty rough for you. Is uh we are talking on Sunday. You were traveling yesterday because you played on Friday. We'll get into all that as we move along. But that must have been tough for you because you had a long delay at O'Hare Airport in Chicago. And without a phone, like, what are you doing in an airport? Well, maybe I shouldn't ask. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was awful. I missed my connecting flight at 9 a.m. And I didn't get to get on another flight until 9 p.m. So I... Uh... I spent 12 hours in the city of O'Hare. <laughs> Without a phone. Without a phone. So let me tell you, I got to watch every single lacrosse game because I did have my laptop, ah. which was wonderful. So I got to to watch all the game reruns, uh, BR Live doing a, a good job of allowing us to watch the recaps, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, so I got to watch some, some pretty special games. Uh, yeah. It was good. Busy, busy Friday night uh, in the National Lacrosse. So you did have a device. So you weren't deviceless in an airport for 12 hours. That's good. Um, So you're telling me there's not a whole lot of direct flights from Chicago to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Is that where you reside now? 
It is. I moved to Tulsa about six months months ago with my family uh, to uh, take a coaching job down here. But to be honest, coming from Ottawa, it, it's basically the same idea. I couldn't go anywhere direct from Ottawa, and uh, I'm in the same situation here. I can't go anywhere direct from Tulsa. Yeah, for, like I'm trying to. I'm not a huge geography guy. I guess you could say. Tol- give me like some surrounding states of Oklahoma and and kind of where Tulsa falls in in that section of uh, Oklahoma. So I'm about three and a half hours from Dallas, so we border Texas. Uh, I think we border Kansas, if I'm correct. I may be wrong here with my geography. And I think <laughs> a couple of Canadians talking American geography. This is this is awesome. <laughs> Arkansas as well. But uh, so, you know, Dallas is probably the closest major city or Oklahoma City. Uh, but, um, yeah, you know, I'm kind of, in an unknown territory in the lacrosse world. but uh, Yeah, well, I want to talk about that. You also brought uh, your buddy Ryan Fournier down there with you. Dallas, you know, I would say is a, is a state in America that is really starting to kind of boom lacrosse-wise. I don't know a whole lot about the scene in Oklahoma. Maybe tell me how you made your way there. Who, connect, who, who called you? What kind of program are you running down there? And, and what is the vibe what is lacrosse life like in the state of oklahoma uh so when i first connected with people in oklahoma i was just like i didn't even know there was lacrosse here or anything uh i've been bugging a friend of mine on christmas about uh, getting me to the states to coach lacrosse for a while because i couldn't deal with these ottawa winners anymore and uh so i had been teasing him about that and he randomly connected me with the uh this group in oklahoma that was looking for a coach uh, I didn't take it all that serious until they, uh, within a week, were asking myself and my family to fly down and check out the city. Uh, so we, we took took advantage of the chance to go see something new. Uh, didn't know what would come from it, but got to, got here and got to see the city and understand the lacrosse community. And first off, the city was awesome. Um, you know, it, it was, to be honest, it's similar to Ottawa in the sense that it's small. Nothing crazy is ever happening. Uh, you, you know, Traffic here in rush hour is an extra five minutes of your day, which is nice. Um, and then the lacrosse community, you know, there's 2,500 kids in Tulsa alone. So not the state, but just the city playing lacrosse. A lot of football kids are now playing lacrosse as well. And Oklahoma is football town USA. Uh, so a lot of those athletes are playing lacrosse, which is great. There's just was a need for actual lacrosse people to be coaching. I think a lot have done a great job introducing the game. Uh, there was just a need of having actual lacrosse people to come here and help the game get to that next level. So that was the the eagerness to find a, a coach to come in. I uh, I got brought in to coach a private high school here called Bishop Kelly. Um, okay. Also to start my own uh, club lacrosse program called Impulse Lacrosse, which uh, you know I'm partnering with Ryan Fournier with. Uh, which, to be honest, the state of lacrosse here is very similar to when we started about seven years ago. Uh, a lot of kids playing, a lot of unknown talent, but just needing some some help with exposure and maybe teaching them the game at a higher level. So we got to walk into a very similar lacrosse state as Ottawa was. So we were very very ready for kind of what's going on here, a need for, for coaching. But, uh, you know, there's some really good players here who just need some help getting exposed and connected with colleges. So that's the, the, the purpose of the, the club program is to develop the game and teach the game at the highest level and, and these kids have a future within the sport. Because as you and I know, by 
tons of endless opportunities and just having the opportunity for that uh, is kind of what we wanted to help kids with out here. Speaking with Callum Crawford of the New England Black Holes, and just uh, for fans that may be a little bit late to the party here, Callum is talking through Wi-Fi on Facebook, so dropping out there. But uh, we got the gist that you know it, it's a it's an opportunity for these kids to get exposure and get some coaching from uh, an elite player like yourself and, and Ryan Fournier. Um, are you guys doing strictly field, indoor, outdoor, both, and with that, so these are high school level kids. Um, are you overseeing maybe the coaches of the younger guys that are coming up as well and kind of giving them instruction on uh, on how to prepare these guys for the next level? I know that was a super long-winded question right there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so uh, with Impulse Lacrosse, Impulse is a field program. Uh, we, we run programs, teams from 5th grade to 12th grade. Uh, so we work with the youth level as well. Um, obviously different purposes with the youth level. It's just trying to teach proper good lacrosse and teaching uh, some of the coaches who are around how to coach as well. Our hands are involved with every single team, but we also, you know, to, to really elevate a game, you need to teach the teachers. And that's the biggest thing here. We don't have a lot of having a lot of lacrosse players yeah. in the city. Yeah. Uh, we have to teach the teachers. So that's a big part of what totally. we do. We're also our high schools, uh, youth group in the spring so they have a youth program all the way from kindergarten uh, to, to eighth grade and we're we're teaching them what to teach at what age groups and how to teach it as well uh, for box lacrosse we actually are starting the very first box lacrosse program uh, legitimate box lacrosse program in the state to go play in uh, the u.s box nationals that team's called team oklahoma nice uh, yeah, so we'll be taking kids and introducing the game we, we started to introduce the game uh, just in a development side to high school and as well as level for about eight sessions uh, over, you know, the winter time to, to just show what real box across is. Everybody here likes to say they do box across. And a, a lot of the U.S. was like that. It was just basically trying to play field across inside or right, having right. cross coaches teach box across. And, and it's not intended as a as an insult to anybody, but they as just you didn't know, know any better, they didn't know any better. Cross game is just so different. Uh, a field across background who's never been truly exposed to box across can't teach box across because it is just so different it's literally almost two different sports when when you <laughs> when you do it and and we we've always kind of said here uh, on lacrosse classified that it's way easier for a guy to go from a box background to playing field without any knowledge than it is for a guy with field knowledge to go play box and there's several reasons for that but uh i think you you kind of mentioned a bunch of those that it's just uh it's it's really almost two completely sports as we speak with callum crawford here let's uh get into last night's game which would be no that would be on friday so we're a couple of days behind now but uh, a big win obviously for your new england black wolves over the defending champions, uh, after getting out of the shoot 0-1-1, going back home and having to face down the defending champs, so you don't want to start a season 0-2, that's a massive win for you guys. Yeah, it's a huge win. I think what it was was truly an opportunity to uh, to find out what we as individuals are, uh, as well as what we as a team can be. Uh, that's the upper echelon of the league. You know, we, I know we won the game. They've, they had a couple guys who, you know, missed training camp. They didn't, it was their first game. There was some rust there. Uh, but it wasn't like, 
you know, they just had a really bad night and we succeeded. They're, they showed how good they are. That offense is so incredible. Mark Matthews uh, can show each why he's the best player in the world. Um, so for us, it was an opportunity to see if we truly going into uh, a team first mentality, what it could be. And, and it was a great opportunity for us to have a chance to perform at the best. You know, that's the upper echelon. And if we can perform against a team like that, then there's a recipe uh, for success within this team. And uh, that's what we did. You know, that, that's been the message from day one was if we're going to be successful, it's got to be by committee. Uh, it's not going to be leaning on one or two guys to try to, to, to take us to the ship. It's got to be every single member of that team buying into what we need and what our coaches do. And that's what we did for almost the whole 60 minutes. And it showed what can happen if you play, you know, smart, uh, disciplined lacrosse and as a team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like, and it took that full 60. You guys got to kind of jumped out to a lead, and they would push back, and then you'd stretch it out again, and they just kind of didn't go away, and they kept your attention the entire game long. You mentioned team and by committee, and it's not just one guy, but the one guy that everybody keep, kind of keeps talking about is the guy that's not there. Um, I don't want you to get inside Richie Liska's head or, or speak for him, but what do you get a sense of, of what's going to happen here with Kevin Crowley? Do you think he's going to be a member of the team? Do you think he's going to get traded? Is he going to play this season? And how how badly do you miss a guy like that? I honestly don't know where they're at with it. Uh, I try to remove myself from that because you understand where Kevin's at. You know, this is a business for for all of us uh, when you think about it. So he's got to do what he feels is right for him and his career and his life. Uh, so we don't, you know, we're not angry at him. We don't judge him for it. And at the same time, we understand the team's got to do what they feel is right. Uh, for us as players, we just have to operate with what we have for now. Uh, the, the guy's incredible. He's shown he's probably the best goal scorer in the league, and he can do incredible things. And uh, you're, you're always missing a guy like that. Uh, but as I said, right, we, I think Saskatchewan has showed how the NLL has changed. I think you used to be able to just rely on one or two guys to win you, uh, win you games before, you know, special, special players. But they have revolutionized the game into a team concept, both offensively and defensively. And because of it, uh, you have to be successful front to back. And for us, you have six to seven offensive players contributing. Uh, and that's the only way we're going to win, especially to, if we're going to try to make up for the 50 goals that uh, we don't have right now from last year. Yeah. I'm not going to score 50 goals. I don't know if anybody on our team is going to score 50 goals. Uh, the only way we're going to do that is by chipping away as a committee. Well, uh, I got to say the the Flowmaster 5000. Uh, my guy Derek Downs there, I think got uh, got the game ball. Uh, he's he's been a nice little addition. I don't think he played in the first game, but got his chance and uh, showed up well. Yeah, he had a great camp. I thought he was one of our best lefties in camp and showed that. Uh, he can contribute and help this team. He, he's got a unique skill set that uh, that helps us on offense for sure. Uh, am I wrong to say that he's basically the undertaker? <laughs> I think that's that's pretty close. I mean, uh, I don't know if there's anyone in, in the league that's rivaling that that mullet he's sporting. He's He's been working on that thing for years. Uh, I, I saw you get interviewed post-game, Callum Crawford, and, and this will lead us uh, into our kind of final topic here on Lacrosse Classified, but you mentioned uh, something about maybe breaking your ribs, and, and if that is, in fact, the case, how can... 
a company that sponsors you like Pure... How about this for a segue, Callum? How can a company like Pure Vita Labs uh, help you in recovering from maybe some sore, bruised, or partially cracked ribs? Uh, you, you know, they give us the best supplements in the world, which is amazing. Uh, so I don't... No, I honestly don't know if they're broken. I don't think they're broken. I was able to continue to play the whole game. Uh, you know, it happened early in the in the in the game, but it was it wasn't fun. Let me tell you, they feel uh, pretty unpleasant right now. But it's part of the game. Uh, you know, for me, it's just get back to work. I get to load up on some wonderful protein from PVL and the recovery shakes. And uh, you know, I'm nutrition wise going to be taken care of because of their their wonderful contribution to uh, to my career and help me stay healthy throughout the season they are a good solid brand uh an all natural uh really good stuff how'd you get hooked up with pvl they just come looking after you uh and, and said we want you under our stable uh no another one to be honest uh they did something partnership with uh encore lacrosse uh out in california my friend john christmas and i kind of reached out to see if he could connect me with them knowing they're a canadian um and i looked into their products and and, and everything they had and you know, I left the company that I was with to be with them because I truly believed in their products cool. and what they provided. Uh, so, the, yeah, it's, it was. I'm lucky to be a part of them. I'm grateful to be a part of them. They're such a great company. They truly believe in oh, I'm really bummed out. You kind of cut out on me there a bit, Callum. But uh, I I think the fans get the idea. They, they support a lot of good people and a lot of good athletes, including a, a ton of lacrosse players. Um, I think our signal's about to drop out here, Cal, so I will bid you adieu. Uh, I appreciate you making a little time for me here on a, on a Sunday. Uh, have a happy and safe New Year's Eve, and we'll catch up in 2019, my friend. Definitely. Thanks a lot for having me. All right, Cal. Serving the business and sports community since 2018, Extreme Threads provides custom-designed apparels around the world. Specializing in lacrosse, they deliver exceptional quality and service, customizing box and field team apparel and uniforms. Extreme Threads offers free design work and takes the time to ensure you get exactly what you need for your team or club. Contact Extreme Threads at sales at extremethreads.ca for your custom apparel needs today. This is Tyson Geick of the NLL Flash. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on Lax All-Stars. Growing the game one podcast at a time. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. Big thanks to our friends at Extreme Threads. Fans, customize your team with Extreme. You can visit them at extremethreads.ca. What you do when you email them is you mention my name, Jake, PXP for sports, Jumbo, whatever you want to call me. And when your team signs up for an apparel package, your coach, your manager, they get a bunch of free stuff. They got like the the big warm jackets, uh, the jerseys, they got uh, the warm-up pennies. Evan, I know you signed up uh, your team to get some practice uniforms from those guys as well. Hope you mentioned my name when you did that. Uh, you email them at sales at extremethreads.com. Now joining us on the podcast, uh, the owner of the Saskatchewan Rush, Mr. Bruce Urban. Happy New Year, Bruce. Great. Thanks, uh, fellas. And, uh, man, congrats on this podcast. You guys uh, are absolute pros, and I know so many people in the lacrosse uh, business and teams uh, across uh, North America that are listening to your podcast. So, 
Well done, fellas. It's becoming uh, the very best lacrosse uh, podcast that anybody could listen to. Oh, well, thank you very much. That uh, that means a great deal to us. Um, New Year's, and that means a new season here, Bruce. It took a little longer for the rush to get out of the gates than a couple other teams, and uh, maybe still looking to get out of the gates, I suppose you could say, as they fall to 0-1 to start the year. A long trip across to New England, and... Not the best performance for Saskatchewan, I would say. What's uh, your takeaways from the Rush's first game of the season? Well, let's face it. Uh, you know, in the first couple of games, everybody's kind of getting a feel for each other. Even even teams uh, like the Rush, where uh, where the players, uh, the core group of players, have played together for years. Uh, everybody's still kind of getting a feel um, for the new year and. Uh, and starting to gel again. So never get too concerned about uh, the first couple of games. We've uh, historically started a little bit slow uh, and lost the first game or two in seasons. But uh, as they say, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. So not, not too concerned. We've got, uh, we've got an incredible, uh, incredible team on the floor once again, is my belief. So uh, we're not concerned. But the boys did look a little bit flat in the first outing. Now, taking a bit back, Bruce, um, I'm thinking back to those with finals in 2015 and uh, when the announcement started to come that the team was going to move to Saskatchewan. My first reaction was great. I don't have to drive to Edmonton five hours each direction anymore to see a game, but um, my, my thought was, please let there be 7,000 people in the building so this stays viable. And clearly, the team's far surpassed that. What has surprised you the most about Saskatoon and the Saskatchewan market since the move there? Guys, let's face it. Lacrosse was something new to Saskatchewan. Uh, Evan, you knew that. Like you said, you uh, you drove to Edmonton for the games, and, and how many other people did? Um, you were probably the only one, you and your family, um, maybe a few others. But ultimately, you know, we could have asked uh, in July of 2015, done a survey in Saskatchewan and Saskatoon, as to how many people had been to a professional indoor box lacrosse game, and I would say that we would have been less than 1% that have ever attended a game. Um, obviously, that's changed big time in three years. So I would say pro indoor lacrosse is for real. It's, it's coming on strong in markets everywhere across the nation. The interest in new franchises is is amazing. I sit at the uh, at the board meetings. I sat in the last board meeting in Atlanta at, uh, at Turner Broadcast Studios and uh, listened to the uh, interest from the commissioner and in, in groups they've met with. And it's uh, it's it's shocking how many different groups and ownership groups across North America are interested in the lacrosse team. So that's very very exciting. Uh, commissioner Nick Sakevich and. Uh, his crew at the league are working hard, and I'll tell you what, they they rolled up their sleeves and they've met with every who's who sports ownership group in the nation and have so many of them interested that it's just exciting, exciting for the sport. Getting back to Saskatoon and Saskatchewan, um, incredible. I mean, I, again, I say it's, it's about the fabric of the people and you try to explain it. Um, you know, I go to the meetings and sit with with all our American friends and try to explain to them the fabric of the people when they say, how, how are you getting 15,000 people out in a, in a city that has 270,000 people? And I explained that the, the closest thing you can possibly compare it to that they would truly understand down there uh, is NFL football and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, you look at, at where their stadium is and you look at the population around that area 
and the loyalty of the Green Bay Packer fans and Saskatchewan fans have that type of loyalty. Uh, loyalty now, now their loyalty runs very deep for the Riders, uh, equally as deep as the uh, as the Packers fans down in Green Bay. But uh, they are loyal sports fans, and they uh, and they want to cheer for the, their own. They uh, they want to cheer for the team. They they bleed the colors, and uh, in our case, it's green, which we went with, which is the same color the Riders are. Um, but it's 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 the fabric of people and what they stand for, and how they stand up for each other. And they've just jumped on board with pro lacrosse, and they love the rush. And it's it's a beautiful story. I'll tell you, it's it's an incredible sports story. In three years, how how a sport that was unknown has turned into what it is in Saskatchewan. Yeah, I, I think that's a fabulous comparison, Bruce, uh, comparing the Green Bay Packers to what the Rush have uh, been able to accomplish in the National Lacrosse League. Uh, I think that's that's just spot on, the way they feel about their team, and, and that's how they feel. It's their team and that's why they get so behind it as we speak with Bruce Urban the owner of Saskatchewan Rush um you and Derek uh, have been busy over the last uh, I want to say seven to ten days as you lock up a, a couple of real important pieces to your roster in Robert Church and Mike Messenger how important was it to get those guys under contract before the first game well very very important and we were uh, standing uh, pretty firm and it's, it's always really tough because you love these guys and um you know, anytime there's any type of uh, negotiations that maybe could could hurt feelings uh, on either side, you you really have to be careful. But we were adamant on three-year agreements, um, and we have core core group signing three-year agreements. And we said to these guys, we want three-year agreements. Of course, shorter-term agreements might leave uh, potentially. Uh, better opportunities for them as time goes um, to see what the market does, to see what some of the new teams coming into the sport. Let's face it, guys, as as more expansion teams come into the NLL, the pursuit of talent from from other teams and what they could be offering is going to be intense, and we're well aware of that. So we want to keep guys, um, you know, under as long a term contracts as we can, so we can keep the real core championship group together uh but it's huge love both those guys um one of one of the top um you know in my opinion one of the top five offensive players in the league and one of the top five defensive players uh in the league both those guys are are all-star players right now and and they're, and they're getting better uh you know there's still there's still progress to be made young guys so um it's huge, and having our core group of players uh, signed is huge. Um, again, it's those negotiations can be really tough. It's it's every relationship where two sides are looking out of a different set of eyes and have different thoughts. Uh, you need to be very very careful. But we're thrilled. We're thrilled that they're signed. It's water under the bridge now, and uh, it's time to move forward and 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 win our uh, wonderful 1.2 million folks of Saskatchewan another championship that is the goal we're not taking losing lightly in the future winning is the name of the game and and um and that's the bottom line and you have to be excited even about the future of this team as much as you've won three championships in the last four years this team's still very young and you've got three first round draft picks coming up this year you got Vancouver's and Toronto's like this is almost unheard of that a team this good 
is still loaded the next couple of years with draft picks. Yeah, well, you have to always keep one eye on the future. You know, it's easy to panic if you uh, go on a, on a on a slide and you lose a few games, and you know it's not a long season with 18 games. Uh, if you feel the team isn't performing and think, gee, are there tweaks we can make? You know, does it help? Does it help you maybe be better right now? But uh, you need to look forward to the future to these young players um, and these future draft picks that are the future. Uh, stars all stars of national lacrosse league and and we're we're keeping an eye on the future and we always want to make sure that we um are not dealing away our draft picks and uh, first rounders and are are keeping our eye out to try to obtain more first round draft picks into the future um it's going to be intense again it's it's there's going to be a real competition with nine teams uh let's face it the talent uh was split between less uh, pieces of the pie. Now, is, is, you know, when you have to start splitting the talent between 13 teams, 15 teams, potentially 20 teams, five years from now, uh, you know, those picks are going to be golden. Yeah, and, and more like than any other in years past, I think, like, young players that are coming into the game now are so pro-ready and can make an immediate impact on your roster. They become that more important. As we speak with Bruce Urban, the owner of the Saskatchewan Rush, who will have their home opener. I know the banners are going to be raised to the rafters uh, come Saturday night. Bruce, what else can fans expect to see on Saturday night as you uh, take on the San Diego Seals and kick off your home schedule? Well, the banner raising is big. Of course, we want to really focus on uh, on the lineup of players, um, you know, for the for the fans, so that everybody can get familiar with with some of the new guys, and um, just want to focus on the excitement of the future. There's some new in-game elements that I think will be very exciting. Uh, we have uh, one of the great Canadian and Saskatchewan country bands, uh, the Hunter Brothers, singing the oh. the national anthem and doing a half time show. We just love the opportunity to display uh, local talent to to a building full of uh, fifteen thousand people. So that's exciting. But ultimately, it's going to be uh, down to business. Introduce the new team, the new players, and let's get at it. Although we we did announce uh, today, or we're about to. Um, that uh, the Rush has signed Darian Durant, so uh, you can keep an eye out for that. Darian uh, Durant is going to be uh, throwing some passes to uh, to fans at halftime on okay. the uh, January nineteenth game. So uh, with his arm the or with his stick, Darian Bruce? Durant is official. With his arm or with his stick? Well, a little bit of both. Okay, but okay. we're going to have to see how good he is with his <laughs> stick. But. Okay, sounds good. And I guess the other cool part about that, Bruce, is that with San Diego coming to town. I want to count them up. You got Tyler Carlson, you got Dan Dawson, you got Adrian Sorichetti. Uh I'm not sure if I'm missing anybody, but I guess those Tor guys. Reinhold there you and, go. There's uh, another. And um, Johnny Pearson. There you go. So there's a chance yeah. for those guys who were part of the championship last year to be a part of things come Saturday night, which which is kind of nice. Yeah, you know, they, uh, they've uh, pieced together a very, very good organization and some of these guys that have uh, – you know, played under Derek Keenan and the disciplines and the systems that the Rush have used. I mean, uh, Patrick Merrill's a smart guy, and um, you know the way he's he's built that team. Uh, there's some similarities of, of of the Rush, and of course they have you know one of the most gifted uh, 
uh, rookies uh, that, that's come out of uh, the junior ranks and um, Austin Stotts. I mean, he is uh, absolutely gifted with the ball in the first ever game in the National Cross League. I think he got eight points or nine points. Uh, he's big. He he can shoot. Um, his lacrosse IQ is is is, is very high. So San Diego is going to be a good team, and you know they're, the both expansion teams are going to be very good this year. The way they've designed expansion from the old days uh, is you're not allowed to protect as many players, which gives them the opportunity to grab some very very good players. And uh, tell you what, both of them did their homework, and they're they're looking they're looking fantastic. There's not going to be uh, you know like the old days where where an expansion team uh, comes into the league and and gets beat up on. These guys are, they, they have talent in their lineups. And one other thing for the Saturday game, is something we had hinted at uh, last podcast, there's another announcement to come from the rush uh, involving our one Mr. Jake Elliott. Yes, there is. And we're very, very excited that, uh, that Mr. Elliott will be joining, well, has joined the organization, and uh, he'll be our... Uh, Involved in our media in many ways, but he's going to be our on-field uh, broadcast play-by-play guy and uh, potentially uh, doing other uh, broadcasting up in the booth. Um, and uh, we're thrilled about that. The knowledge, uh, Jake, you bring to the table and uh, and your professionalism, uh, everything about you, we we love. And it, it, it lines up with what our organization stands for. So, uh, yes, Jake Elliott is officially... <laughs> A member of the Saskatchewan Rush. Well, uh, Bruce, uh, it's been a, it's been tough keeping it under my hat for the last uh, week or so, but I wanted to have you on the show and allow you to to kind of roll that out there. I couldn't I couldn't be more thrilled to to work for you and in, in an organization like the Rush. Um, you know what I've what I've done for the last five years and, and working with the Stealth uh, has has been a little bit challenging trying to trying to stay positive with a team that has had a, a record like theirs and it's going to be nice to to work with a championship caliber team and uh, a first class organization like Saskatchewan really excited about the opportunity and uh, and I thank you for that and uh, really kind of made my holiday my Christmas and uh, really looking forward to a great 2019 so thank you for that well I can tell you that we're very excited uh, as well um to add you to the roster. Yes, indeed. <laughs> That's per se. Okay, so, well, no, I only it's, signed it's, a one-year contract. You didn't. You didn't give me a three-year deal. So uh, we'll we'll have to discuss that come Saturday night, maybe. Jake, we're going to have to see your your on-field performance, <laughs> and at that point, <laughs> fair enough. For the trade deadline, yeah. I'm going to confer with Evan and, uh, and make sure that we're not shipping you off. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's Just make sure you got the uh, the anti glare for the cameras. That yes. The, uh, yes. The, the bench spot is wide enough for them. Yes. I'll get my cover up powder going on. Yes. Okay, you guys. Enough of that. Uh, Bruce, thank you for your time. Uh, enjoy your New Year's Eve. I know uh, we're going to roll this out New Year's Day, but we're recording on New Year's Eve here. So have a safe, have a happy uh, New Year's Eve uh, with your friends and family, and look forward to seeing you this weekend in Saskatoon. Well, lacrosse is on, guys. It's always exciting. It's it's a long off season, so lacrosse is back on, and uh, and we're I think we're ready to go. So very exciting. One more player to try to get signed, and uh, Nick Bleach, and yeah. uh, we'll see what happens there. But we're uh, we're we're one piece of the puzzle away from having the puzzle uh, completed. All right. And, um, 
you know, hopefully some great things in 2019 with all of us together. And, and, uh, you know, sincerely, Evan and, uh, y- yourself, uh, Evan and, and Jake, you guys are both huge parts of, uh, of this organization. And, and, uh, we thank you for that. It's, uh, this is a big wheel and we're all a spoke in the wheel and, and, um, and we're all equals to make the wheel go around as smoothly as possible. And, um, you know, very excited about 2019 and, and, uh, and having us win a championship together. As are we, Bruce. Thanks a lot for the time, and uh, we'll see you soon. Excellent. Thank you, guys. Take care. Happy New Year. Bruce Urban, the owner of the Saskatchewan Rush, and uh, home opener coming up on Saturday, Evan. They'll take on the San Diego Seals. The championship banner will go to the rafters at Sastel. Always a special night uh, for the fans, for the players, and everybody involved when they see that banner go up and, and recognize another championship season. Yeah, um, and the nice thing is it's one of the rare arenas where they actually let the banner stay in the arena year-round, which uh, other arenas have problems with. But, no, it'll be good, and, like, it's going to be good that those five guys that are no longer with the club, just by complete fluke that the schedule changed, are are going to be able to be there as well because, you know, I think back to when they raised the 2016 banner and – Guys were uh, the fans, we were very insistent that Zach Greer get his ring out in front of everybody so that we could all thank him uh, in person. And we're going to get that chance again to do it for these five guys. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Evan, quick break to come, and then another big five games on deck. For week four in the National Cross League, we'll make our picks. Don't you dare miss that. Stay tuned. We'll be right back here on Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging is in the business of creating first impressions. They'll help you reflect your company values accurately by offering solutions that fit your product needs. With the latest in printing technology and over 35 years of experience, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit for your company to take your labels and packaging to the next level. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. Big thanks to our friends at Associated Labels and Packaging, creating first impressions at Associated Labels and Packaging. You can find them online at associated-labels.com or their social media at Associated LP, as in labels and packaging. They are the best. Make sure you talk to my man, Sean Ashworth, at Associated Labels and Packaging. It's Jake Elliott. It's Evan Sheminar with you. Back for one more segment here on the Lacrosse Classified podcast, brought to you by Extreme Threads. And five games once again here in week four, Evan. And a little more spread out, I dare say, here uh, coming up here in week four. Let's just run through it quickly here. We don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but uh, Philadelphia into Toronto on the Friday night. Uh, who you got? You got to take the Rock there. The Rock had a fabulous game against Georgia. Philadelphia still trying to find its way. Uh, you got, I'll take the Rock any day on that one. Same here. We're both taking Toronto. Make sure you're writing this down, Evan. We want to keep track. Next game up is Vancouver at Georgia. It doesn't get any easier for the Warriors as they travel across the continent to Buffalo, and then they'll have to head down to the Dirty South this weekend, all the way down to Gwinnett County to take on the Georgia Swarm, who are coming off an OT victory over Toronto. 
I think I know who your pick is in this game, Evan, but Vancouver at Georgia, go. Yeah, I mean, I'm just hoping the game stays close. It's it's an easy one for the Swarm. Agreed. Georgia taking it to the bank. Our third game and a rivalry renewed, and this adds a little extra intrigue in this one as Matt Vince will face his former team. This game taking place in Buffalo. Angus Goodleaf will get a chance to show what he's made of against his former starting goaltender. Rochester taking on Buffalo. Who you got? I'm going to take the Nighthawks. Um, you know, we were, there's still no word of what, what Dane Smith's status is. Uh, Corey Small is a scratch. I'm not sure what happened mm. there, but you know, you know, it's it's kind of a. I'm not really sure what Buffalo team I'm going to see, so I'll take the the Nighthawks, who I'm a little more certain as to what I'm going to see in that game. Okay, I will take Buffalo uh, simply for the fact that you took Rochester. Plus, I tend to believe that Dane Smith is going to be back in the lineup. I think Corey Small will be as well. Corey Small, a healthy scratch from Richie Kilgore and John Tavares, and they said it really kind of came down to a coin flip on whether it was going to be Durston or Small. I think they wanted to get Haywires in there and see what he could do. He had two goals. But for me, I think that was a pretty quick trigger on a scratch for Corey Small. A guy put up five goals for you in week one. I know they lost in week two, only put up 12. I don't know if you hang that one on specifically Corey Small or not. That's what they decided to do, but I'm sure the kit will come back into the lineup, be extra motivated. And I'm going to take the Buffalo Bandits to beat the Rochester Nighthawks. I think Matt Vince will play his best game of the season against his former team. We shall see. Two more games to go in week four. Uh, And one we just talked a lot about. San Diego in Saskatchewan against the defending champs on banner raising night. Safe to say that you're taking the rush in this one, Evan Sheminar? Yeah, safe to say I'm taking the rush. I think that they'll get those kinks out of the system, get the crowd behind them. They, they'll roll in this one, I think. Agreed. I'm taking Saskatchewan as well. So we've agreed on Toronto, Georgia, Saskatchewan. You're taking Rochester. I'm taking Buffalo. One more game to come. It's a Sunday affair. It's a matinee, if you will, from the Loud House, the Pepsi Center in Colorado. Calgary and Colorado renew their rivalry. Going to be an interesting game in Denver, who started out 0-1 with that loss to San Diego. They had a way to bye week, kind of sit and stew. Calgary coming off a win. We don't know what their lineup's going to look like going into Colorado. Uh, a midday game as well in Denver. Who you got? I'm taking the Mammoth. Uh, Calgary's 2-1, and one, but you got to look at strength of schedule there a bit. Uh, with Without those three key guys up front, assuming King's not back in the lineup, I just don't think they got enough firepower to beat the Mammoth. Man, oh man, I want to take Calgary. Should I take Calgary? I'm going to take Calgary, Evan, just because you took Colorado, and I think that's a chance for me to jump ahead. We got all the same picks except Buffalo and Rochester, so if we do the same thing, the best I can do is tie you. I want to be ahead after week four, (laughs) so I'm taking Calgary to beat Colorado. And I, if there's one thing I learned last week is you never bet against the Phenom and Christian Del Bianco. So I'm taking the Roughnecks. To recap, we both have Toronto, Georgia, Saskatchewan. I'm taking Buffalo and Calgary. You're taking Rochester and Colorado. And we'll see how it all shakes out in week four in National Lacrosse League action. 
That will wrap up another episode here on Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified. Uh, thanks to Bruce Urban. Thanks to Callum Crawford. And thanks to his spotty Wi-Fi for that interview as well. But we got showtime in. A big thanks to our sponsors, as always, Extreme Threads, Associated Labels and Packaging, and our good friends at Pure Vital Labs. To you, the listener, for checking out Lacrosse Classified. Happy New Year, everybody. It's 2019. Hard to believe, but here we are. Uh, but now we got to go, so we're leaving now. Here we are, but we're leaving. And we're out for Evan Schemenauer. I'm Jake Elliott, and for the fastest game on two feet, and for the crater, Happy New Year, everybody.